Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. thing to feel the presence of God and the warm embrace of his spirit. Amen. This is the rest. This right here is the rest. So whatever you had to push aside to be here today, it has already been worth your time and effort and energy and whatever obstacles seemed to be in your way to the point that you didn't think you were going to make it. Aren't you thankful? Aren't you thankful that you just pushed through that a little bit harder and let the presence of the Lord touch you and allow you to be here in this place. Amen. There's a sweet spirit here this morning and a spirit that will touch and change our lives. Amen. You may be seated if you would like. I want to just say thank you so much for for your prayers for Sister Boyd and I. And uh, we're not going through anything that other families haven't already crossed in the loss of her mother and things of that nature, but we would just ask you to help us continue to pray that we can just wind up some business that needs to be taken care of, and that is where she is today. I've been there a couple of days this week, and uh, and I, I would like her to be back home. Amen. I'll do the cooking. I'll even do the washing. I just, just like her to be home, <laughs> and uh, don't tell her that other little part, but I will do whatever, but it's... Uh, we just it's just a it's just empty without her being there and it's empty without her being here and uh, so we just pray that the lord will touch us together and we just covet your continued prayer i want to speak today on a subject that is of course i think of uh, vital importance to where we are in the overall scope of our world i'm thankful that the word of god is the guideline i've I've uh, said this for several services that God's word, even though the book may be old in years, it is not old in message. And it is not out of time. It's not out of step. Uh, The Bible is not a book that just doesn't get it. But the Bible is a book filled with principles that are as relevant today as they have ever been. And so this morning, with the help of the Lord, I want to speak on the subject of moral living in an immoral world. Moral living in an immoral world. I will tell you <clears throat> that I have tried to be very, very careful in selecting my words today because I understand that we're in a, a mixed audience and uh, what may not shock one generation may be embarrassing to another and vice versa. But we need to talk about where we are today, and uh, we really need to discuss what what we're facing, what our children are facing, and uh, they are probably exposed to more, our, our teenagers today and even younger than that are probably exposed to more 
on a daily basis than many adults in this building knew well into your adulthood. They're exposed to that daily, an oversaturation. And so if we're not careful, that can become commonplace. And I, I understand that they, for the most part, are not here this morning. They're in their own respective classes. But I want to speak to us because immorality doesn't just affect youth. It affects all of us at every stage and station of life. And so we, I want to take my text from the book of Galatians, and then I'm going to be moving to the book of Ephesians. And uh, Paul said to the Galatians in chapter 5, verse 16, he said, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So we must walk in the Spirit. I, I spoke last Sunday about walking in truth. And let me, let me just pause here to interject this concerning that that whatever you don't understand about the Word of God, here's my admonition to you, keep walking. Just keep walking. And if you will keep walking, it is that forward moving where God begins to shine the light of revelation in our heart, in our lives. And so uh, now the Scripture says that if we walk in the Spirit, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh because you can't, hold hands and be completely embraced with God and embrace things in the world. Ephesians, Paul again writes in uh, chapter 5, in verse, verses 3 through 8, he said, But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be once named among you as becometh saints, neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather give giving of thanks. For this you know that no whoremonger, nor unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no man deceive you with vain words, for because of these because, for because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Be not ye therefore partakers with them. For ye were sometimes darkness, but now are the light in the Lord. And so here's what we must do. Walk as children of light. And so if we are, Paul says, if we are what we say we are, then we need to walk as such. And not just here and there every now and then. We are living in a a world of moral decay that seems like to us second to none. Of course, we know that's not true. All you have to do is pick up the Bible. Go back to the book of Genesis. And you realize that we're not living in a time unlike mankind has lived in before. But certainly for us as a nation, we think about the United States of America, the principles upon which we were founded. We are living in a day where the morals around us are just decaying at a, at a rampant pace. And so if that be true, and it is, then we must, as born-again believers, we must be further committed to the gospel than we have ever been in our lives. Ephesians 5 and 15, the scripture says, See then that you walk circumspectly. Not as fools. Circumspectly, that's not a word we probably use this week in your everyday language. 
But the word circumspectly means carefully or exactly. So he said, see that you walk carefully or see that you walk exactly, not as fools. Don't walk as a foolish man, but walk as a wise man. And if we're going to walk wise and we're going to be what the scripture here is admonishing us to be, then we've got to be careful. We have to be exact. Now, I, I am uh, I'm not a, a, a builder as in a profession. I'm not a painter as in a profession, but I, I can do a little of each of those things. And it really bothers me to, to be around someone who doesn't want anything right. Some people just close enough will do. And if you start off with just close enough will do, by the time you are finished, the windows won't open, the doors won't open, because you got to get it right and keep it right. If everything is going to be, if everything is going to be operable and functionable in the end, and so we can't just throw something up and hope that that is close enough. We've got to get it as close as we possibly can or it will never be right in the end. It's not just going to fix itself. I remember one day my, my father and I were working on a project and my dad in his older age, my dad was an excellent painter, painted for a lot of people when he was a younger man. And uh, in his older age, his mind was slipping a little bit and uh, he was helping me paint one day and he just got paint everywhere. I mean, we was painting one color and then trimming it in with another color. He had the trim paint everywhere. I said, Dad, we got to fix this. He said, oh, in six months, you're not even going to see that. <laughs> so, we planning on going blind in six months? I mean, what's the deal? Because <laughs> in my world, I think you're going to see that blue paint against that yellow from now on. No, on six months, we'll not do anything at all to change that. And so if we're going to live what God has called us to live, then we got to get up every day with exactly in our mind. I got to get up every day with carefully in my mind. That has to be the position upon which I fix my life. I've got to be careful here because anything can happen. There's little doubt that the end of the age is not upon us. It's not coming. It is here what has been preached, what has been prophesied for many years is coming to pass before our very eyes. We can, as I've stated for years, we can read the Bible today and look outside our front door and see the fulfillment of that. We can look in the newspaper and see the fulfillment of that. As it was in the days of Noah, the scripture says, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. It is in the days of Noah. The morals of many people today have degenerated to, to a lower level than most animals. That's the absolute truth. I'm not trying to shock you. I've been tr very, very careful to comb through this and choose the right world, words, but we are living in a world today where the moral level has, has reduced itself below that of most things in nature. And so we are... We are up against a very formidable foe. Sins that were, were once subdued. I want to say this, that there have, the things that are going on have always gone on. Nobody's in, in la-la land here. Sins, but the, the sins that were once subdued and, and things that were once kept in secret, things that were once considered, that had a reproach to it, amen, they are practiced boldly and they are practiced openly and even flaunted in the face of moral individuals today. 
Amen. That's the world that we're living. This is the America that we're living in today. I'm proud to be an American, and I'm not here to to tear down our country at all, but I am here to preach about the value of the church holding on to the moral fabric of where we are. The sewer of sin is without reservation pumped freely into the homes of of most people today and into our lives via some form of media. Amen. But and, and let me say this, that it doesn't matter, uh, it, it doesn't matter what, steps we may take to stop those forms of media if we don't have some principles settled in our heart. Amen. Amen. I'm not preaching for or against. I just want you to hear me today. You could have a television in every room in your house, a computer in every room in your house, a phone in every pocket of the clothes you have. If you've got principles nailed down, they're going to be tools. It's all right. But if you don't have principles nailed down, <laughs> if you don't have some things settled in your heart, you can have a bonfire and burn everything. You can have a bonfire the size of this building, but when the ashes and it all goes out, if those principles aren't dealt with, there still will be a, a huge chance of violation. We need to nail down some principles because if we're going to rid our lives of everything that has the tendency or the ability to, to segue evil into our lives, you're probably going to have to dig a hole. Amen. I'm, I'm being very serious. And so we, uh, you can get anything you want to hear worse than you want to hear on your radio, in your car. And so we've got to get some principles settled in our heart. Lord, help us to be this in, inside, in our heart. And then in, in, in the midst of everything we're talking about today, I, and I think that we're in agreement that there is evil everywhere, that it, that it is being pumped into our lives in every conceivable fashion, every vehicle that is possibly can be used, every venue is slanted, twisted, some, some way to try to put evil and get evil in the hearts of men yet against the backdrop of all of that in the midst of such sinfulness grows a church that is as pure as it has ever been, that is as powerful as it has ever been. Hallelujah. The power of the blood, the power of the gospel. The church is a glaring light in this dark and dismal world. The church is the bride of Christ and we should never doubt that the bride is not preparing herself for the coming of the bridegroom or the appearance of the bridegroom. The scriptures reveal to us that Jesus will come back again and this is what he said. I will receive into myself a glorious church not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing. As, and so as we serve the Lord and, and maintain our high morals against the backdrop of sin and debauchery that we live in today, we cannot get discouraged. 
Amen. It is easy to get discouraged and think, my Lord, but we cannot get discouraged because uh, Elijah got discouraged and he thought, I'm all by myself in this. No one else cares. And, and the Lord said, wait a minute, get your head out of the clouds. I've got, I've got thousands that have not bowed their, their, their knee to Baal. And so here we are today against this, uh, against the sin, against the, the, the swift tides of, of sin and all sorts of things swimming against that, standing against that. I say to the church, church, be encouraged. We are not the only ones that are standing against the evil of this present world. Amen, I want to stand. In whatever circumstances we find ourselves in, we cannot afford to forget that there are others who have gone before us. I'm gonna name some Bible characters, but I'm gonna tell you that it's not just relegated to Bible characters. We could talk about Noah and Job and Joseph and Daniel and, we, and the list could go on and on and on. But I'm telling you that we could add to that list some more current names of men and women who live without blatant sin in their life. Not, mis not making mistakes, I'm not talking about that, but I'm talking about people that did not live a sinful and immoral lifestyle. They stood the test of time and they left this world with not just heaven on their mind, but heaven in their heart. Amen, amen. Men and women who maintain their integrity against, against the sin of this ungodly world. God will have a light. He said, I will have a light. I will, I'm going to have a remnant. I will have a people. I will have a witness to every generation. Yes, he did. Amen. That's what he said about Ezekiel. Ezekiel, they may hear you. They may not hear you. They may obey. They may not obey. But I need a witness. I need a witness. All of this that they might know there was a prophet in their midst. I'm gonna tell you how I think it's gonna play out or it very well could play out. I don't pretend to be able to see into the future, but I think at the judgment, I think in, in, the, in judgment when people say, I don't know, I never had a chance, I couldn't do this, it was just too hard, the mountain was too tall, I believe that it's entirely possible for God to just bring somebody on the scene that they know. It was their neighbor, it was their friend, it was their cousin, it was their mother, their grandmother who stood the test of time. Amen, God is going to have have a witness in every generation. Amen. Let me just go ahead and say it. You don't have to sin a little every day. You don't have to sin a little every week. You don't have to sin a little every month and then write that all off as I'm just human. If I fall down, amen, rejoice not against me, O oh mine enemy. Amen. I shall arise. When I fall down, I got getting up on my mind when I fell down. Amen. Amen. Praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God. What I try to say is this, if you fall, fall forward. Amen, if you fall, you're gonna fall in the way that you're leaning. I wanna fall on the word. If I just fall on the word, I'll only be broken, but if the word falls on me, I will be ground to dust. I say, Lord, help me to fall forward. Although several of our lawmakers would deny it, many, if not most, of the laws governing this great nation of ours were built upon the principles that are found in this book that is open on this desk before me today. And according to this book, as long as a nation does not stray away from these biblical principles, that nation will enjoy prosperity and that nation will enjoy peace. But I'm gonna tell you that the more we pry God and his word out of our foundational stones, the less 
of the prosperity and the peace that we are experiencing. Amen. Pity the nation that forsakes godly principles. Solomon said it this way in Proverbs 14 and 34. He said, righteousness exalteth a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. God will honor those who honor him. In God we trust. In God we stake our claim. In God we build our life. Amen, we do this in his name. Satan at this very moment is making a concerted effort to destroy the fundamental truths of God's word. But in spite of all that, I'm thankful that truth marches on. Amen, godly morals are never out of date, not even in a, moral, in, in a modern contemporary world. The morals, the fabric of God's word is still relevant today. As we consider examples of lives of those who have gone on before us, then we should do our best to reach into their life, into their hearts and glean something that will help us eliminate mistakes from our life. There's no sense in everybody making the same mistake. If one generation will listen to the generation behind them, we ought to gain ground. We ought to be further ahead. Noah's generation became so filled with wickedness that their behavior and their thoughts, according to Scripture, were focused on evil continually. The Bible says in Genesis 6, 2, and 3 that the sons of God saw the daughters, the sons of God saw the daughters of men that were fair, and they took them wives of all which they chose. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he is also he also is flesh, yet his days shall be a hundred and twenty years. Now, no matter how you interpret this verse, here's what I'm going for today. It is evident that the message has to do with immorality and disobedience in that day. The scripture says that the sons of God, or in other words, the righteous, should not have chosen wives from among the daughters of men, or in other words, the wicked. So let me just say it this way, that the, that the righteous should not have chosen wives from the wicked. You're shopping on the wrong shelf. You're in the wrong store. You're on the wrong aisle. This kind of relationship brought about compromise and, and it caused a generation to drift away from God. Their choices were based on carnality, not character. Amen, they were, a, they were doing things that appealed to the flesh. Amen, this leaves an indication that the marriages were based more on lust than love. And I believe that every Christian couple must include God in their choice of marriage partners. Amen, you, you better look beyond beauty. You better look beyond handsomeness. You better look beyond, you better look beyond some things that our flesh is drawn to. We had better look beyond that and make sure that we are building on the proper foundation. Love is not an accident. We talk about falling in love like it's a big hole. Love is not an accident. Love is a choice. Amen. My grandmother used to tell my, my wife's grandmother, rather, used to tell her as she was growing up, she said, now, honey, you can fall in love with a rich man as easy as you can fall in love with a poor man. Now, that is just one bit of advice that my wife didn't take, and this poor man is thankful for that. This poor man is thankful for that. But her point, nevertheless, the fundamental point is the truth. You have a choice in this matter. 
And so you are going to choose and you need to choose wisely. Amen. Unfortunately, in every case, bad seed always corrupts good seed. By the righteous, by the righteous marrying the ungodly, the ungodly didn't get more righteous. Hear me now. Amen. By the righteous marrying the ungodly, the whole population eventually grew corrupt. It grieved the Lord that mankind had fallen into such a degenerate state. Therefore, he said, I will cleanse the earth from all of this. I will wipe man off of the face of the earth. Nevertheless, in the midst of all of this sin and all of the disgust that was in the heart of God, Noah found grace in the eyes of God. Amen. According to scripture, that same wickedness that was in the days of Noah will exist in the day that we are living in. It is widespread and it will be before the return of the Lord. This is exactly where we're living today. In the book of Leviticus chapter 18, I'm just referring to this 24 through 30, Moses told the people of Israel that the Lord was casting out the nations who lived in Canaan. Here's why. The reason you're even gonna have homes to possess, vineyards to possess, the reason you're gonna have orchards to call your own is because I'm casting out a nation before you in Canaan because of their acts of immorality. It's in your Bible. Amen, I'm cleaning up ahead of you. I'm cleaning all this out. I'm sweeping this out. And when you get there, it's all gonna be swept. He reminded the people of Israel that God had separated them unto him to be a holy people. And because of that, they were to refrain from unclean and defiling practices. Jesus taught this in his own ministry. In large part, Jesus Jesus' teaching on the subject of morality is found in the Sermon on the Mount. The scripture says in Matthew 5 and 8, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. In the heart, we find the emotions, pure. In the heart, we find desires. He's saying, let them be pure. In the heart, we find our thoughts. He said, let them be pure. Because whatever your emotions are and whatever your desires are and whatever your thoughts are, that's what your body is gonna act on. Amen. So blessed are the pure in heart. If we can keep our heart right, our emotions will be right. If we can keep our heart right, our desires will be right. And if we can keep our heart right, our thought process will be right. James said this, but every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth death and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. And so I gotta keep my heart pure if I'm gonna overcome temptation. Now let me tell you something, Everybody's in, everybody is tempted, eight to 80. Everybody is tempted. Our temptations may vary, they may be different, but it doesn't matter where we are. Everybody has to face temptation on some level. Now, temptation in and of itself is not sin, but to allow sinful desires to hang around, to allow sinful thoughts to hang around, to allow impulses to just lodge in our heart, that will finally cause us to act on that. You gotta deal with it. You have to deal with it right then, right there. Amen. And so we've got to rid ourselves of that. <clears throat> we have to rid ourselves of that. You've got to deal with that. A few, uh, a few months ago, around our back door, we had a little 
a little a, a wood snake, a little rat snake, I think, was hanging around uh, the underlying of we have vinyl siding around on our house. And so around the door, there's some trim. And, and so some of those green frogs was hanging out and the little snake was just there eating, bless his heart. But my wife came home one day and she saw about that much of his head out from under that trim and I thought we were going to have to burn the house down. <laughs> I surely thought I was going to have to revile around the door. She had, she had, I'm sure he was well into Dixie County before he stopped. I feel confident. I feel confident. But we got to deal with this and we got to deal with this Now. Now, this is not like, oh, well, I need to put this on my to-do list. I mean, when we get a chance, get around to this. She called me. She called me. I don't even know where I, I don't know where I, I know where she was. She's on top of a tree somewhere, but she called me. You, know, you can tell I'm missing her, can't you? And uh, you, we got to deal with this now. We got to deal with this now. Can I tell you that thoughts in our heart, things that linger in, you have to deal with those things right now because they're growing. They're taking root. You may not think, but they are taking root. David prayed this prayer, search me, O Lord, in Psalms 139. Search me, O Lord, search me, O Lord. O God, know my heart, try me, try me and know my thoughts. Amen, and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in that way everlasting. Try me, know me, search me. I'm gonna tell you those are all in Invasive requests. Amen. Try me, frisk me, search me, know me, Lord. I want you to point it out. Don't leave anything uncovered because the gateway, the gateway, amen, is, it's so important that we close the gate. Amen, that we guard the gate. The gateway to us for a man or a woman is our eyes. And so that's why we have to be so careful. Amen. So people ask, well, why in the world are you preaching against this? Why are you warning against that? Why are you sounding the trumpet against this? Or I'm going to tell you, this is the answer right here because this, this is the gateway to the heart. And so you had better be careful what you sit down and warn your hands spiritually over. What kind of fire, what kind of thing entertains you? You had better be so careful because that's the gateway to the eye. And you can't try as you may, you can't see it. Amen. It's there forever recorded. And so if a man the Bible said in Matthew 5 and 8 even looks on a woman with lust then he is guilty of committing adultery in his heart. That's what Jesus said. Unless he conquers lust then somehow, some way he will find a way and Satan will oblige him on that journey. Amen. To fulfill that lustful thought through his flesh. So you have to deal with it. And you have to deal with it suddenly and soon. Eve's sin began when she saw that forbidden fruit. Amen. She said, that looks good. It looks good for food. It was pleasant to look upon. Amen. Am I in the scripture? Amen. Isn't that how the scripture describes it? This was a pleasing thing. I'm not telling you this morning something that you don't know, but isn't it so horrible how pleasantly sin is packaged for our generation today? How they're lured in. Amen. Lured in. This will be fun. This will be fun. I, I don't 
I don't live in a bubble. I don't entertain myself on this, but I don't live in a vacuum either. Amen. But the commercials that are now advertising with permission, the hard liquor, it's all bad, but the hard liquor, it's always in a pleasant setting. What a way to end a day. But I'm gonna tell you something. You're looking at one man that has walked in one too many hospital rooms, that has walked into one too many homes where a family is being disintegrated. Amen. When you think about all that it has torn up, all that had, nobody, mentioned that. Nobody said anything about the price that's going to come with all of this. It all is packaged to appeal. But it is deadly in nature. Deadly in nature. It was just a few steps for Eve to consummate sin by taking that fruit and eating it. Just a few steps. That's all it took. But it changed the world forever. King David was on the rooftop when he saw Bathsheba bathing. He lusted for her ultimately committed adultery with her, later tried to hide his sin by arranging the death of her husband. David never dreamed how far this one look. I'm not trying to be too graphic this morning. But I'm not sure how long David stood there and peered, but I know this, he stayed a minute too long because something took root in his heart. I've said many, many times, you cannot, we live in a world, you can't, an unpredictable world. You can't always predict what you're going to see. But you can stop what you're going to stare at. Amen. When I see how people go out into public today, it's just unbelievable. Unbelievable. I can't imagine why a husband would want their wife dressing like that and other men gawking at that. I can't imagine why parents would want their children dressing like that when there are other men and, 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 and women and perverts of all nature, amen, that are undressing our children. Why would you rush that process along by allowing them to dress in a fashion that exposes and reveals? I hope I'm not being too plain for you today. I'm talking about moral living in an immoral world. Amen. Amen. Moral living in an immoral world. We are around us, everywhere around us. We need to understand the enemy is trying his best, trying every door. But I will tell you that David, as I mentioned a moment ago, never dreamed how far this is going to go. He never dreamed. It was just, it was just a glance. That's what it started out as. And, and not to sound too crude today, but what David did in the very beginning was a very natural thing. That's not too strong for you, is it? But he, when he stood there, when he continued to dine on that, when he continued, now more is in his heart. Amen. Now to take that to another step. Now she comes in with the news that I am with child. Now, now we've got problems. Now we had problems, but we really got problems now. And he had his own friend murdered. David never saw this. He never saw those dominoes falling, this house of cards coming down around him. And it all started with just one look. The book of Job recognized the danger of allowing our eyes to view things without restraint, to view things without discipline. And so this is what Job said. I want, to, I want this on the screen because I want you to see it. 
Here's what Job said. I made a covenant with my eyes. Now eyes, this is your heart talking. Eyes, this is your heart talking. I want you to shake hands with me. We're going to become blood brothers over this. Anybody ever did that when you was a kid? It's too dangerous to do that now, but... And slice a little piece on our wrist and shake hands. We was blood brothers. <laughs> Don't look at me like I'm 107. <laughs> slice your thumb, touch thumbs, thumbs. We blood brothers. We're going to make a covenant. Come on, eyes. We're going to shake hands on this. I'm going to make a covenant with my eyes. Amen. Why then should I look upon a maid? I'm going to make a covenant with my eyes. We need to make a covenant with our eyes. This is serious, serious business. Amen. It matters what we allow our eyes to see. We should never allow our eyes to see things that are going to give birth to evil imaginations because the Bible says, I'm going back now to the Beatitudes, that if we stay pure in heart, here's the promise, we will see God. <laughs> Hallelujah. 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 Praise God. The Bible instructs us, follow holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. New Testament writers dealt with morality. Paul counseled Timothy. He said, flee youthful lust. Lust is a strong, excessive desire for something. He said, you've got to get away from that. Flee, run. You've got to control and learn to control natural impulses. Joseph, what an outstanding example Joseph was of, of a young man who kept himself pure in an impure situation. Potiphar's wife enticed him. No doubt, no doubt, had flirted with him many days, perhaps even weeks leading up to this infamous moment recorded for us in, in Scripture. She made advances, but one day... She said, let's just be crystal clear about this. The Bible says in Genesis 39, 7, she cast her eyes upon him and she said, lie with me. So now, now no questions are on the table. We're not, we're not wondering. Joseph is not wondering, is she flirting with me? She made her intentions plain. Lie with me. He could have succumbed to her advances, yet Joseph maintained purity of heart and body. Amen. When the sin trap was set, Joseph got up and ran, and he ran out of his coat. Amen. Joseph did not wait to see. You know, here's where some people fail. They're just going to try to see how strong they are. Well, what if you're not strong enough? If you're not strong enough, death is imminent. Spiritually, you got to be, you, that's foolish to see if I can take this. That's foolish. He obeyed the wisdom of God and he got out of there. Now, I believe there are some basic codes of conduct for every child of God, things that we should follow. They must be followed if we're going to avoid undue temptation and, and maintain purity and integrity in the eyes of God. For instance, there's just some things that we shouldn't be talking about. I know this is an adult class and I, I, I'm not trying to insult anybody's intelligence but, but the Bible says in Ephesians 5 and 12 for it, is a, for it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. There are some things that are private and they should be left private. And so for born again men and women we need to guard our conversations now, I, I did not intend to, to mention my wife as much as I am this morning, but 
I, I remember years ago that my wife, she was teaching a, a class for ladies, and she has used this same example many, many times, not only here, but in other places she's been invited to speak. And I think there's a lot of common sense in this. My wife has always admonished other ladies to never discuss it, never discuss private matters concerning their husbands with other ladies because this is what she says. This is going to cause that lady to never look at your husband in the same manner again, never. You just open the curtain. You just open the door. You lifted the veil. And another lady will never view your husband in the same light ever again. Now, I'm going to tell you, I don't live in a lady's world, and that may be good news for you. It certainly is good news for me. But I do live in a man's world. And I haven't always been a preacher and haven't always surrounded... I've been a preacher a long time, but I haven't always been a pastor and, and, and been involved in full-time ministry. I've worked on secular jobs, and I know how men talk about their husbands, their wives. What a fool. What a fool. Because you are opening the door for another man to undress your wife with her eye, his eyes every time she walks in the door. I'm talking about moral living in an immoral world. I hope I'm not making some of you elders uncomfortable. I'm just telling you where we are today that we need to keep our heart pure and we need to protect our families. Amen, that way, that's why we, our conversations need to be pure. We, that doesn't need to be discussed with your best friend. That doesn't need to be discussed. Amen, there are some things that are private and they're private for a reason. We need to always, there's some rules of conduct I'm talking about. We should always maintain proper conduct toward people of the opposite sex. Now, I am a hugger and I make no apologies about that. But there is a way to hug a, a member of the opposite sex properly. Amen. Is that all right? And so we need to do everything within our power. Amen. That we maintain a proper relationship with members of, of the opposite sex. We should never say or do anything. We should never even wear anything that can be interpreted by those of an opposite sex as an invitation. Don't let your conversation stray there. Don't let your dress code stray there. Don't let your actions and your overtures and your looks and your smirks, don't let them stray there. Don't even go there. If you won't go there, you'll never have to make the trip back home. Just don't go there to begin with. Amen. That's one reason modesty of dress is so vital, not just for ladies, not just for ladies, but our men as well. Amen. We live in a very immoral world. There is so much immorality in our world. It would probably shock us beyond uh, the telling and what happens in dorms on college campuses. Amen. The, the promiscuous, unbridled behavior would probably shock us beyond. Immorality everywhere you turn. So how can we avoid being lured into this kind of lifestyle? The Bible said, here's one way. Abstain from the very appearance of evil. Just, just don't even go there. Don't even, don't even, don't even let anything, any part of your mind, your thoughts, or your feet, don't let it walk there. We should avoid any behavior. We should avoid any conversations. We should avoid any manner of dress that opens up any door of temptation. Amen. We should never allow ourselves to view the promiscuousness 
that goes on in our world through any form of media. Amen. There are many, many, many reasons why we need to put some guards in place in our heart, in our life. Amen. We, we, should, <clears throat> we need to make sure that whatever activities we're involved in, we've got to hold it up against the light. Amen. You people that wear glasses, you ever do this? This right here don't get it sometimes. That looks good. But when you hold it up against the light, you say, my goodness, it's not raining. (laughs) Fog lifted. When you hold it up against the light, because light is a revealer of things. And so we're asking ourselves, well, what's right? What's wrong? And, and, and so here, I'm going to give you a light. Amen. You get a door prize this morning. You get a door prize for coming to church today. I'm going to give you a free, a free light. A free light. Here it is. Amen. Here's how we can find out if our activities are right or wrong. Here's how we can find out if our conduct is right or wrong. Amen. I'm going to give you a light that we can just kind of hold, hold it up against this light. That light, put it on the screen, Philippians 4 and 8. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of a good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Amen. Should I watch this as a family? Should we gather around the television and watch this show? Well, I don't know. Let's first hold it up to the light. Is there any good? Is there any pure? Is there any moral? Amen. If there's impurity, if there's immorality, amen, then then we need to turn that off. We need to go somewhere else. Amen. If there's anything there that shouldn't be there, I want to hold it up against the light of Philippians 4 and 8. If it's right, if it's just, if it's holy, amen, it'll be all right. But if it's not, then we need to be Christian enough. Well, there's a spattering of support, but I'm just telling you that we need to be men and women of God enough to say, I'm turning that off. I'm gonna go mow the yard. I'm gonna pick up a book. I'm gonna go do something else. Why? Because it did not pass the Philippians 4 and 8 test. Woo, hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen, I gotta hold this up to Philippians 4 and 8. Amen, I gotta ask myself, is it true? Is it honest? Is it just? Is it pure? Is it lovely? Is it of good report? Is there virtue there? Is there any value here? And if there is not, I've got a question for you. What are you doing? What are we doing entertaining ourselves on this? What are we doing watching this? What are we doing reading this? What are we doing listening to this? What are, what are we doing? You ever had your parents walk in and just walk up on you and ask you that? I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to create that atmosphere of intimidation at all, but, but you know, every now and then we need somebody to step in our lives and say, what are you doing? Well, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, because half the time we're embarrassed. 
I don't know. I don't even know what I was doing. I don't know what I was thinking. I don't know why that I went there. I don't know why I allowed that to come in. Don't let your mind drift too far off into something that shouldn't be this morning. Stay with me now. Amen. We need God to step into our lives and say, what are we doing? What are we doing? Amen. I'm telling you. I I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Amen. I, I just say, God, help us today. Amen. What we need in the church in this hour is not a longer list of do's and don'ts. What we really need is some brands of fire in our heart of principles that said, I'm not going there. I'm not doing that. I'm not watching that. I'm not saying that. I'm not holding hands with that. I'm not flirting with that. Why? I've got too much on the line. There's too much at stake. My family's worth too much. My marriage is worth too much. My integrity is worth too much. My my name is worth too much. I'm talking about how to live morally in an immoral world. In an immoral world. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Well, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Just another minute and I can be done. A, a, a preacher minute. Another preacher minute. I can, and I can, can be done. Amen. If our students need to go in, come inside, if somebody can just admonish our, in case the speaker's not on the foyer, amen, they, they're welcome to come in. Amen. The principles, these principles will help us make right choices. Is this, is this right? Let me hold this up against Philippians here. Let me hold it. Oh, I see something that shouldn't be there. No. No, I'm going I'm I'm to do without that. I'm going to do without that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep this out of my life. Amen, I'm gonna keep this out of my life. In Genesis 19, God destroys Sodom and Gomorrah with fire because of their immorality. And he's still judging those who commit abominations against him. Now, now I, I'm not just trying to keep preaching just because just, just I got preacher's itch, but I just wanna tell you that while I've been talking a whole lot about morality, it would be a tragedy for me to stop right here because morality alone cannot save you. Thank God for good men. Thank God for good women, good moral people, but morality alone is not the saving agent. The fact that many people live a good, clean, and moral life does not mean that they are saved and that heaven will be their home. People may appear to be good and be lost because inside something is missing. Amen. Isn't this a beautiful group? Let's give our Sunday school a hand. God bless them. God, God bless them, and I want all you Sunday school te- students. I want all you Sunday school students to to really thank your Sunday school teachers for not being so long winded. <laughs> because when you grow up, this is what you get right here. <laughs> Stay young as long as you can. <laughs> Stay young as long as you can. The rich young ruler was a good man. He thought he could obtain things, eternal things, by just doing good. But you see, there was a spiritual deficiency because the Lord said, go sell all that you have. It was a test. I'm gonna test your passions. I'm gonna test your love. Cornelius in Acts 10 was a devout man, one that feared God with all of his house, which gave much alms to the people, prayed to God always. That's what the scripture says. But hear me, if we stop the the film right here, he is unsaved. 
He's lost. Am I in the book? Amen. God sent an angel to him saying, you need to call for Simon, whose surname is Peter, and he'll tell thee words whereby thou and all thy house shall be saved. Shall be. But at this point, Cornelius, you're in trouble because all you have is alms and good deeds. And so I'm going to tell you that you can't bake enough apple pies and you can't mow enough yards to be saved. You can't give enough money to some charitable organization. You can't do anything within our own power to save ourselves. Good people are going to hell because they did not obey this book. I'm not trying to be unkind to you today, but I got to stand in eternity and give an account for what I'm saying behind this desk. Amen. So what did Peter preach to Cornelius in his household? He preached the salvation in Jesus Christ. The Bible says that when Peter was preaching, while Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. For, and, and here's how they know they got the Holy Ghost. Here's how they know they received the Holy Ghost. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Acts 10, 44, 46, 48. Amen. Here it all is in a nutshell for us. While he preached the word, the Holy Ghost fell on them because the soil was already tilled. The heart was already tender. Amen. A lot of things, they were pointed in the right direction. They just needed a seed of truth. Amen. Further truth to get planted in their heart. When Peter preached on the day of Pentecost, amen, that same thing happened. Amen. The crowd spoke up and said, what shall we do? We've heard you preach. We've heard this. We feel this drawing. We feel brokenness in our heart. What shall we do? And Simon Peter, without even as much as clearing his throat, he said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It is the Holy Ghost. It is the infilling of the Holy Ghost. Amen. That a, that a person is able to live righteously and godly and walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. Hear me. It's the Holy Ghost in us that keeps us. You're not strong enough within your own self. You don't possess the power to do this on you. You may, you may handle it well for 30 days, 90 days, 60 days. You may, you may handle it well for six months, but somewhere your flesh is gonna crumble. That's why we need the Spirit of God inside of us. Amen. I'm gonna ask you to stand and our musicians to come. Thank you for the extra few minutes here that you've given me. Many laws governing us today echo biblical principles. Godly laws will keep a nation of, of people in a way of righteousness. But you see, when we leave these principles, we find ourselves in trouble. Jesus taught that the basis for morality is in the seat of the heart. We've got to keep our heart pure. And I'm going to tell you something. There's many, many, many people in this audience today that have heard me say this about things that you're going through in your life. You've heard me say this, guard your heart. Guard your heart. Did I say that because I had nothing else to say? No, I said that because I know if this gets wrong, you can't imagine the world of trouble it's going to lead to. So guard your heart. Young people, guard your heart. 
Guard your eyes. Amen. Don't just dine on everything that comes along. Amen. What the world is telling you about fornication is a lie. Is a lie. Amen. You can't dabble around in sexual pleasures and think that it's not going to affect you. You cannot. You will drag that into your adulthood. You will drag that into your marriage. You will drag, that will affect you the rest of your life. And so I'm not just speaking to young ladies, but let me talk to some young men today. Stay pure. Stay morally pure. Stay sexually pure. Stay pure. Stay pure. Amen. And I'm going to tell you that God forbid if this was the last time I was ever privileged to stand behind this pulpit, I'm going to tell you something you better do is pray for another pastor that will come here and tell you the same exact thing. Stay pure. Stay pure. Stay pure. It will jade every relationship you have from this point forward. Yes, it will. Yes, it will. And so stay pure. It can be done. It can be done. And man, we need the Spirit of the Lord to help us. I want to be right. Amen. I want to, if I'm going to claim it, I want to be that. I want to walk it. Amen. I want to give God everything that I have. Praise God. Parents, we need to pray for our children. Amen. We need to pray for the youth of this world. God help us. God help us. Let's give them an example to live by. Amen. Let's give them an example to live by. Give them something they can fix their eyes on. Praise God. Amen. I think we just need to love the Lord here. Amen. I think we just need to love the Lord here. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.